Welcome to the Beginner Audiophile Show, where we bridge the gap between the clueless big box stores and the snobby stereo shops. Every show is filled with gear reviews, commentary, and interviews aimed to find out what makes a real-world difference in your listening experience, how to get the most bang for your buck, and frankly, how to begin experiencing your music in the way it was intended. And now, your co-hosts, Dr. Paul Anderson and Michael O'Neill. Ladies and gentlemen, what's up? It is the Beginner Audiophile Show. Welcome back. If you are returning, uh, I'm Michael O'Neill. I am solo today. No Dr. Paul, as he is away and uh, couldn't do the show. We're both doing uh, completely other things, so this is a this is kind of a hobby podcast for us. I have a regular podcast called the Solopreneur Hour that uh, I'm 571 episodes in at this point, and uh, Paul has a business. Uh, as well. So we do this in our spare time and sometimes we can't make it. And that is the case uh, this week. But the good news is uh, without the witty banter that we always have, uh, I'm going to share a bit with you about my journey um, as the beginner audiophile and speaker placement and how much of a difference it makes. So we're going to cover that. I'm going to give you a quick update on my Anthem MRX receiver. Um, and if I have time, I'm going to answer a couple of your questions. All right. So first and foremost, the uh, the Anthem MRX receiver. Now, this is their MRX 1120. This is a, a full home theater receiver. This isn't just a two-channel uh, listening device. And I've been always on this quest to find the best compromise of two-channel listening and movie listening. I love me some home theater, and I love me... Uh, multiple speakers. So what this thing allows you to do is it's a fully fledged 11 channel amp. So it allows you not only to do uh, really good sound, uh, two channel sound, but it allows you to do Dolby Atmos out of the box. And I happen to have four extra little, you know, those Bose cubes that came in that, in that lifestyle system years ago. I had a few of them sitting around and I thought, well, let me try to mount them up on the, you know, up on the ceiling or up on the, um, the edge, uh, the upper edge of the room and see if I can, you know, make some Atmos happen. And I did it and I was really, really pleasantly surprised. I, it is not ideal, I'm sure. And I'm not getting the full effect of Atmos because they're not in the perfect placement, but it's working. Like I, I definitely feel when there's a plane flying overhead, I hear it. And I was really excited to, to try this Anthem receiver because they really make a big deal out of their um, audio quality, not only for home theater, but their two-channel quality. I mean, this is, and this is a serious piece of kit, as they say in the UK. This is a $3,500 uh, receiver. And I feel like that's probably just, it's either out of the reach or just on the upper limits of what we as beginner audiophiles might choose. Now, because what I do, how I use my uh, my system in that room, it's mostly, it's probably 80% home theater. Um, well, that's probably not right. It's probably 60% home theater, 20, 25, 30% just ambient music listening. So if I'm working, I have that receiver on. 
Um, it also controls the house. So I have a couple of zones. And then, you know, uh, whatever the remainder was, whatever I just said, in two-channel listening, like where I'm just sitting down and listening to music. So, you know, and being a drummer, I've always been, I'm always interested in that mid-bass and real bass kind of sound. So I'm not afraid to uh, hook my subwoofers up as well for two-channel listening. I, I, I don't uh, have any qualms about that whatsoever. So my speakers, uh, my mains are uh, Paradigm Prestige Elite or Prestige, uh, yeah, Paradigm Prestige 85Fs. And I've got the 85, uh, the, the center channel as well. And then I've got just kind of a, a for the home theater side, I've got a, a varying number of speakers uh, for my surrounds. So I've got a couple of Paradigm old, old style bookshelves and um, a couple of these SVS subwoofers that we reviewed earlier on earlier shows, which I love. And unfortunately, I have to give them back at some point. Um, but, but overall, you know, I'm always trying to find this compromise between kick-ass two-channel sound and kick-ass home theater sound. Now, ideally, and this is something I will experiment with when I get a receiver that does it, I will try to do a home theater pass-through on... uh, So what you do is basically you get a nice two-channel system, uh, either two-channel preamp or two-channel integrated that has a home theater bypass on it. So you actually have your full home theater receiver, but you also have this two-channel in the same system and it allows you to feed the two-channel signal right to your right and left speakers instead of kind of having to disconnect them. So it is really ideally the best of both worlds, but uh, I haven't tried that yet. So we're going to give that a go. In the meantime, we're going to talk a bit about uh, speaker placement and how important it is. I can't stress enough what a learning curve it was, A, a for me, but B, what a giganto difference it makes in your audio quality. So if you're one of those people that just kind of took the speakers out of the box and you stuck them somewhere in the room and they're just flat on your carpet and um, you know you, you arrange them so they look nice, then you have a lot of cool opportunity to make your whole system sound better really, really easily. So the other part I'm going to say is I could tell you right now the quote-unquote right way to set up speakers and a hundred of you are going to write me and say, that's not the right way to set up speakers. So setting up speakers is kind of a religion, as are most things in this audiophile world. I'm going to give you a few examples of how some people set up speakers. Just remember, no matter what the technical challenges are and the step-by-step instructions, the world's best measure of sound is going to be your own ears. So you may listen to music in a certain way and you're going to want to uh, highlight those sounds in your system. And when we talk about listening to, uh, I'm going to channel my Paul a little bit here. When you talk about listening to speakers, you're talking about listening to the room. So not only is it the, the sounds coming out of the speakers, but it's how it's interacting and pressurizing the room that you're listening in. And fairly rarely, although it's not impossible, I have a pretty close approximation of this. Fairly rarely are we in a perfect room for audio, uh, meaning the right size, the right orientation, uh, symmetrical, 
you know, there's a lot of things that contribute to sound and, and, you know, they're not all, uh, solvable. Ultimately, we have a few factors that we got to get into. Number one, the WAF. So we talked about the wife acceptance factor a couple of episodes ago. Now, you, you may find that the optimal speaker placement is, you know, a few feet from the wall, uh, the, the back wall, a few feet from the side wall, but kind of sticking out into the room a little bit. The wife might not love that. She may not go for that sound. And, and if, if that's the case, the only thing I can suggest you to do is to mark where they were. I use blue painter's tape, or you can use clear packing tape on your floor. That way it doesn't, um, uh, it doesn't show up very well. But mark them where they were and play one of her favorite songs and then mark them where they're supposed to be and kind of move them into the room. Say, stay there, honey. Move them to where you've figured this out after this episode and play them again and say, that's what we're dealing with. That's the difference between where they were and where they are. And if you do this well, it should be a marked difference. You should definitely hear a big difference between if you just pulled them out of the box and stuck them in the room and then did a proper speaker set. And to give you some perspective on that, uh, myself, Dr. Paul, and our friend Matt Rockwell, we spent five hours setting my two front speakers on a Saturday afternoon. And uh, you should know, micro adjustments matter. And I'm talking like millimeters matter. You can definitely hear that there's going to be um, some phasing issues, some pressurizing issues. There's going to be some dead spots in the room. There's going to be some boomy spots in the room. And you'll be amazed at how much of a difference it makes as you continue to tweak these speakers, okay? So um, I remember going to a party a couple months ago, and this guy had actually a pretty nice system set up, but both of his speakers were just crammed into the corner of the room, they didn't have any space on the left and right side. They were right up against the back. And these were ported speakers. That means that there was a, a, a woofing sound that came out of the back of the speaker and hit that wall and then just refracted throughout the room. I remember thinking, man, I, I could change this guy's life. We were at a party, so I wasn't going to do it. And maybe he just moved the speakers for the party. But I was thinking, man, I could change this dude's sound in about 30 minutes and it would just be magical because he has great gear. It was really, really good stuff. So um, a few tenets of speaker, uh, these are kind of the do's, right? Um, you, there's not a lot you can do uh, in terms of what your room is like. Um, but there are things you can tweak that we'll get into uh, towards the end of it. But the first thing we need to do, and this is, again, just the basic setup. This is where to start is you want to form an isosceles triangle between you and your ears and those speakers. Meaning that if your speakers are seven feet apart, that you need to be seven feet from those speakers. So they need to be in a perfect triangle to where the prime uh, listening position is, okay? And that's, again, these are just starting points. You can completely tweak from there. I'm going to go through a couple of different iterations of how to set speakers. But this one... Um, this can get you pretty close pretty quick. This is kind of the quickest, quick and dirty version, which is um, you have equidistance from the back wall and each side wall. 
So each speaker has, let's say, let's say they've got four feet on each side um, or four feet, you know, uh, on the right side of the right speaker, on the left side of the left speaker. And let's say they're seven feet apart. You want to be seven feet from those speakers. So just break out a tape measure and make yourself a nice isosceles triangle, seven feet, seven feet, seven feet. If you tow those speakers in a bit, and we'll get to that in a second, but you will immediately hear a huge difference. Um, another option for this is in terms of how to set that back speaker or the speaker from the back wall and the left wall is to do something that um, Matt and Paul like to call a master set. Now, this is a very unique form of setting speakers. And what it involves is you take one speaker out of the mix. You can either disconnect it or you can turn it uh, 90 degrees to the right so you don't hear it, right? Right. You take the left speaker, you can do this with either one, and you push it all the way up against the wall. Then you play a particular song that, um, that you know really well. One song that we use really well um, is called The Ballad of the Runaway Horse. Um, we do that because it's got a, a bass line, it's got an upright bass, and it's got... Um, a hard to tune bass note in it. So at the beginning, you want to actually hear uh, with that particular song, you want to hear every note articulated and you want to hear the attack of the bass. And if it feels really boomy or really muted or muffled, uh, that's not the right sound. So what you do is you get a friend to help. Um, if your speakers have spikes on them, take the spikes off. And it's really helpful to go to the hardware store and get them some of those furniture sliders. You can make do with a piece of carpeting as well. Uh, if you have uh, hardwood floors, flip the carpeting over so the, the, the wrong side is facing up and the carpeting is facing down. And then that will allow the speaker to be more slidable. You're also going to need a bit of blue tape and a tape measure. So... Um, and blue tape meaning like uh, painter's tape kind of stuff. And just break off, you know, 20 little pieces of tape as you go. So you'll have the person, the primary person sitting in the primary listening position and then the helper uh, with the speaker right up against the wall facing out, you know, into the room. You want to keep playing that song and you want to start pulling that speaker away from the back wall. And I'm going to assume that you're going to put a little bit of distance between the sidewall if you can. Um, you don't want that thing up against the sidewall. So get it in from the sidewall. And when we talk about uh, soundstage, soundstage is how, how wide the sound is coming to you. So if you've got your speakers really close together, the soundstage is really narrow. If you've got the speakers really far apart, yes, the soundstage will be wide, but you're going to lose a lot of the the uh, center um, uh, articulation, it's going to go away a little bit. And it's going it, to sound really kind of airy and not focused. So you maybe won't hear the voices as well as you would uh, if they were a bit closer together. So this whole thing is one big experiment. At any rate, you, uh, you have your helper. You repeat that song. Again, the Ballad of the Runaway Horse, if you want. And you keep pulling... Those speakers away, like I do like initially about an inch at a time until you hear that bass line. You're just listening to the bass. You're not listening to anything else, but you do it until you hear the bass kind of tighten up and you start hearing what a, an acoustic string from that bass note. 
what would happen initially, especially if you've got a port in the back of your speaker, is you'll hear a real boom. You'll hear it really muffled and boom instead of dung. Like you'll hear a really muffled sound from the bass. And you keep doing that. Um, you're going to find that there's going to be two or three positions, maybe more, depending on how far you go, that you'll, you'll hear it. It'll sound pretty good. And you go, yeah, that sounds good right there. Your helper, your helper will put a piece of tape um, on that line, basically where you are, and then he'll keep going. And you keep pulling this out. Oh, no, it sounds bad again, sounds bad again, sounds bad again. Oh, that sounds good. Another piece of tape there. Pull, bad, 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 bad. Oh, that one sounds good as well. Now I've got three different options, and you can, if you want, because sometimes that takes about a half hour, because we're talking about moving it millimeters, centimeters, you know, depending on how much time you have. And you do that um, until it sounds good, and then you can sort of go back to wherever your tape marks are and go down to um, uh, the, the best one of the three, okay? So, or five or whatever you have. And that gets you an approximate distance from the back wall and the left wall that is kind of optimal for your speakers. Again, this is all your ears. There are people that do all of this stuff with devices. I know nothing about that, so don't quiz me on it. Um, Right-hand speaker, you do a similar thing. So you pull it from the back wall uh, until it sounds right. Here's the kicker. What sounds right on the right speaker may not be the same exact speaker placement as the left speaker. So you may end up with an asymmetrical set where, you know, the right side is six inches further back than the left side. It all has to do with what furniture is in your room, uh, what the sound is interacting with, you know, um, what curtains, if you have glass. It's super helpful, by the way, to cover any really hard surfaces. So if you do have a window in that room, uh, take yourself, <laughs> excuse me, take a, um, make sure you close the curtains or put a thick blanket in front of that window so you're not getting what we call first order reflections on that uh, window because that can really mess up your sound. So now I've got two speakers that sound really good. Um, sometimes they're symmetrical, sometimes they're not. And then you... Now we're covered on the bass, which is really the hard part. The next thing you want to do is continue to play that song or multiple songs that you know and have your helper start towing the speakers in. So that means that you're turning the speaker on the same axis. You're turning it towards the listener. And what that'll do is that'll bring that... Because um, up until now, the speaker's facing straight out into the room, which means that... Your instruments are kind of everywhere. As you start towing these speakers in, the audio, the voice, the singing voice of that speaker will end up right in the direct middle in front of your face. And it'll actually sound like you've got a center speaker. If you do it right, it'll sound like you've got sound coming right out of your center speaker. That's when you know the toe is right. Um, now, there are other options to do uh, the where you want to tilt it up and down if you've got a set of speakers that are um, what some would consider kind of harsh, so they have a harsh tweeter, you might have to do some tilting of the speakers, you know, just the front uh, towards the ceiling or towards the floor to tame that tweeter sound a little bit. So 
What I just described to you is a really loose rendition of what they call the master set. The people that, um, you know, use this method completely swear by it. And they think everything else is wrong. Uh, Dr. Paul is one of those guys. <laughs> um, but I come from a school where I think there's multiple ways to to get to that same result. So um, I think we can do well with the starting point as well. Just from a time standpoint, if you're by yourself, break out your tape measure, make yourself an isosceles sound triangle. Um, so let's talk about reflections. Um, one way to do, to tame your first order reflections is you take a stand-up mirror. Sometimes a mirror with wheels on it is really helpful for this. You have a helper and you sit in your listening position, have that helper, uh, let's say the mirror's on wheels or you've got it on a piece of carpet or it's like a, a, a big mirror, like a full-length mirror. And what you do is you run that mirror along the side of the wall, um, you know, on the left and right side of the wall, and you have them slide it so it's, uh, you know, back facing the wall. You have them slide it until you can see the speaker in that reflection. So now you're, I'm, I'm sitting in my listening position. I'm, let's say, looking to the left. My friend's got a, a mirror right up against that left side wall. And in the reflection of that mirror, I can see my speaker. That is a first order reflection. So what you'll see sometimes in you know, uh, home theater shops or audiophile shops is you will see in that exact position, you'll see some baffles. You'll see like a, and you can make these yourself. You can make a, you can take a little Roxul safe and sound, which is a, uh, a sound installation and build a little frame around it and wrap it in some burlap or something like that. And that will absorb that sound. So instead of getting a major reflection off of that point, you're absorbing the sound and that's going to quiet your room down significantly. So if you have a challenge where it just never seems right, try the mirror trick, run it up and down. Um, if it's a window, uh, throw a curtain there and that's the best way to do it. You can also just throw, instead of doing like a, a baffle, you can literally put a mount a curtain rod on the wall and you can hang a curtain in that spot. So that's super helpful. Another thing that's super helpful is behind you to put a bunch of bookshelves. Uh, you know, so let's say you've got the speakers in front of you. You're sitting in your couch or on your listening chair, and behind you, a bunch of bookshelves with random, you know, knickknacks and objects that will help diffuse behind the room, so you won't get a major reflection behind the room. I'm sure you've seen studios where they have those like multiple different wooden blocks that are all different shapes and sizes. That's, that's for exactly that reason. So you can do it within the context of a room by putting a nice bookshelf there and, you know, putting knickknacks, putting books, putting your movies, putting things like that so that the sound can uh, refract off of that. Um, let's see what else. They, they call it quadratic diffusion, but that's a, it's a whole thing, you know. Um, so whatever you can do... Um, don't interrupt your sound triangle, meaning don't put anything in the way of your perfect isosceles triangle. That will guaranteed mess up your sound. Um, you also um, don't, if you can, 
make sure that your distances on the sidewall are equal. So if they're if they're unequal, you will get inconsistent sound from your um, from your room. Windows, you've got to make sure no matter what, no matter where the windows are in the room, that you have curtains over them. And you can, you know, the thicker, the better, as far as that concerned. You don't want any glass in that room whatsoever. Anything that's really shiny and, and hard, like glasses, will just reflect these things all over the place. So, I mean... This is really an art. Again, don't be afraid to test out your own ears as you go along with this. It is, um, you know, when we talk about two-channel and listening, this this is a whole nother, you know, doing a, a, a full hi-fi setup or a full home theater setup is a whole different story because now instead of two speakers, I've got 11 that I've got to deal with. And that's where some of the EQ uh, comes from. You know, we've got a lot of, um, we've got Odyssey XT32 EQ. We've got the Anthem Room Correction or ARC. There's Dirac. There's all kinds of different EQing systems. They're worth a try. Uh, You know, sometimes our rooms are compromised in a way that we can't fix them. You might have really tight space and you can't move the speakers around a lot. I will submit that you should, um, at the very least, decouple your speakers from the floor so if you have uh, hardwood or if you have hardwood, make sure they're up, up on little stands. If you're on carpet, make sure they're on spikes. If you've got little bookshelves, make sure you at the very least not only have stands, but you can go to Amazon and get those little foam speaker stands that will decouple the speaker from the, the uh, let's say, the table or your stand or the floor. That makes a huge difference in audio. Like you'll notice a significant difference if you decouple them. But- Let's assume you've done all that. There's a couple other things on the web, like a couple other really good resources for you. There is a um, there's a mathematical equation called the Fibonacci sequence, and if you look at any of Da Vinci's artwork, it is all in the Fibonacci, and uh, it's what we call perfect proportion. You would see it in nature as this kind of swirl, and it's everywhere. And molecules follow this same swirl. Leaves follow it. The proportion is all over our bodies. That this this sort of one third to one ratio is all over the place. And there's a a um, a guide. There's a guy uh, named George Cardis that thinks it's called the golden ratio. And he thinks that speakers can be set up in the golden ratio as well. I've not experimented with it, but but a lot of people swear by it. And if you go to cardas.com, C-A-R-D-A-S.com, you'll see that there's a whole thing. Just click on uh, room and system setup, and there's tons of uh, resources for different, I mean, it's, it's a bit mathematical, but how to set up your rectangular room, how to set up a near-field listening position. Uh, there's all kinds of different versions of how to set up your speakers. So I think it's really cool. And also... There's a speaker placement calculator on noaudiophile.com, which I really like as well. And um, it'll allow you to put the length of your main wall, length of your sidewall. So let's just say right here, I'll put like 12 feet and length of sidewall is 10 feet. So what this tells me is the space between speakers should be 3.96 uh, feet. Head to main wall is 3.8. Speaker from main wall, 0.37 uh, speaker from sidewall 4.02. So you have to. I would have to go in 
uh, measurements or, or uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, what's the variance of that, those numbers, right? So you want to stay as, as you want to keep the proportion uh, as good as you can. So these are, um, that's just another way that you can calculate and, and how you can do it. Ultimately, you're going to be experimenting a ton with this stuff. And that's what's going to get you the best results. So you've got to uh, you got to experiment with this. I'll tell you, though, if your speakers are just sitting on the table or stuffed into a corner, you are in for a huge, pleasant surprise because it makes a giganto difference. Uh, okay, a couple questions from you guys, and then we will hit the road on this episode of BA. Uh, if you guys aren't following already on Instagram, beginner audio file on Instagram, and uh, would love to find out if you have some things that, that you want us to review and, and check out. So please let me know. Um, okay, Rusty says, hey, just found your podcast. It's awesome. Uh, as a newbie to the audio file world, you guys are a breath of fresh air. I love that you guys speak in plain English and at the same time provide education when it comes to terminology. Uh, one, maybe one day you guys can do an episode that is dedicated to the various terminology in the audio file world. It's a great idea, Rusty. Uh, maybe I'll do that next week. Um, Okay. Main reason I'm writing in is that I wanted your opinion on setup I'm about to get as it'll be my first plunge into hi-fi. My budget's around $1,500. Um, I've settled on getting the Rotel A12. Uh, I'm going to be running my uh, U-turn orbit turntable into it. Okay. Hold on. Okay. I had to quickly check out the Rotel A12. Actually, it looks like a great device. 900 bucks. Rotel A12 integrated ampl- amplifier. Um, one thing I will say to you, Rusty, is that if you decide to run the A12 uh, make in USB mode, make sure you fix the USB as we have discussed on uh, many previous episodes, including the last one. So one thing I really do like is the APTX Bluetooth. Um, I don't know if you guys uh, heard this last episode, but I got an APTX Bluetooth amplifier for my car, and it's phenomenal. It is so good. So APTX is a really much better uh, uh, version of Bluetooth than comes out there. Um, okay, so the uh, he wants to pair these up with the BMW 686S2 speakers. Those sound like a great idea, man. Uh, sounds like that's a great setup. Um, we have not tested them, but I don't know um, uh, the the 686S. S2s look phenomenal, man. They look like a great pair of speakers, and I think you're going to be really, really happy with them. Uh, the only thing I might suggest as far as the Rotel goes is maybe look into one of these uh, SVS amps or SVS subs down the road. Um, you know, f- from what I know about that, it's 60 watts per channel. It doesn't have a ton of oomph, but it has enough. But I think maybe it's worth... Um, uh, looking into a small sub, maybe a, a small rel or something like that. So these are these great little, you know, uh, five-inch two-way bookshelf speakers, these um, B&Ws, and I think they're going to sound phenomenal. So um, one thing that's pretty funny, though, is he says, um, also, I want to put them up on stands, which you should, but I have a cat that likes to jump up on top of things. Any tips on which stands to get and how to keep the speakers from getting knocked off uh, by my cat? So... Well, we got a. We, there's a challenge. I think what you could do is use some good. Uh, you're probably going to want to keep the grills on because cats are notorious. But um, what I would do is get some good uh, kind of industrial Velcro 
So get your stands and make sure the stands are on spikes so the whole unit is decoupled from the floor. But then throw some Velcro or something uh, on on the stand itself and the and the um, your little tower so that um, you know and the speaker. So so put it on the other side of the speaker. Put it on the the um, tower and then you should be okay without the cat knocking it off. That would be the best thing you can do. Um, let's see. Uh, Aaron Hartley says, hey, um, I've got a vintage, I've got a vintage setup, Marantz 2270. I really want one of those. Uh, I just connected with this Facebook group uh, that's all vintage stuff, and I want to really get some of this vintage stuff in, in here so we can check it out. Um, anyway, uh, Marantz 2270 with Pioneer HPM 100 speakers, mostly used for vinyl. Want to figure out how to stream music other than regular boring auxiliary cord. Do you think the Sonica DAC is a good way to stream music through? Do you think the mix in old and new gear will sound okay? Dude, I love my Sonica DAC. Like, I, I wish I got to keep it. I'm sure I won't. I'm sure I have to send it back. But um, I love it. And I'll tell you, the I've switched out my Marantz for this Anthem. And the Anthem uses PlayFi, which is really cool, but I love all the different options that Sonica has, including having Tidal uh, built into it. And it just, I think it's so easy and convenient to do over Wi-Fi. I'm do, I am finding the PlayFi to be a little bit wonky. So I love it. And I think it sounds phenomenal. I think you will love that upgrade. I'm a huge fan. So that's the Oppo Sonica DAC. Um, and it's great. I think it's really, really a, a, a great piece of gear, especially if you have, you know, an older, uh, an older setup where you don't have any of the modern stuff. It's the perfect thing to plug into it. So I'm a huge fan. Uh, let's see. Um, boop -a -doop -a -doop -a -doo. One more. Okay. So I'll give you one more here. Uh, hey, fellas. I really enjoy the podcast. I'm currently running a vintage two-channel system for music and just uh, recently bought the Shit Modi Multi-Bit DAC. Do you guys have any suggestions for burn break-in times and process in doing so? Also, do you have any experience with this company's products? Uh, any thoughts if so? So for those of you that are new, Shit is spelled S-C-H-I-I-T, and they did that, like buy some good shit. That's on purpose. That's a USA company that called themselves Shit, which I think is really funny. Um, in terms of break-in, there's a million different ways to break in a million different things, but I think for something like that, I think you could probably give it, um, let's see, what did the dude say from Oppo? Um, hang on a second, I'll tell you what he said. I will tell you guys what he said. Oppo. And this is from Jason Liao, who, uh, is the founder of Oppo. Um, so about 80 to 100 hours of use, I think this is, I'm, I'm going by his recommendation for the Sonica DAC, but it's going to be about the same. There's, there's transistors, there's things on the inside of that thing that need to kind of do what they need to do to settle in. So 80 to 100 hours, and it doesn't have to be cranked, but if you go out for a while, like if, let's say you're going to go out and work, just have it running at work uh, at, a, at a moderate volume while you're out. And once you do that, you know, for a few days, give that, give that 10 days or so, and it should be as broken in as it's going to be. Next, he says, um, hold on. I had to get off that email. Next, he says, um, this is from Will Grice, by the way. He says, 
I got uh, Spotify Premium, Chromecast Audio, uh, Shit Modi Multibit, Fisher 100T Preamp, Marantz Model 240M, Cambridge Soundworks Tower 2s. That's fun. He says, P.S., I know you guys are big on Tidal. I tried the free trial, but I couldn't really tell a difference. This was before I added the DAC, so I might give it another try. But don't hate on Spotify too hard. So if you have the high-end Spotify, that's fine. But but what I typically do, and I'm in the, I'm in the same camp as you are, dude, is I go, eh, we'll, we'll see. And I'll hear a song on Pandora, because I listen to Pandora a lot for... Like if I'm just working and I have some electronica or something on, I just fire Pandora up. I'm not worried about how great the audio quality is. You know, big deal. But every once in a while, I'll say, you know what? Just to remind myself what I'm hearing and what I'm not. Because Tidal, while I think it sounds great, has a bunch of awful things going for it as well. They have terrible playlists. They don't have a good random uh, feature like, you know, Spotify or Pandora have. So, you know, and I just, I feel like they're, all their playlists are made by people that really love hip hop. So I, you know, I just never love what they bring to the table from that standpoint. But, but, um, so I listen to Pandora when I can, but every once in a while I'll switch over from my Pandora. I'll go search on title, which is another major issue. Title has a terrible search function, but I'll go find the same song on title and I will go back to back. I'll listen to a minute of Pandora, go over to title, listen to it, go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I've never done that and not been shocked by how different they are. Now, maybe, and to be fair, I don't listen to Spotify. So maybe Spotify has a better delivery mechanism. Maybe you've got the really high-end version. Or maybe, you know what? You just can't hear the difference. And that's fine, too. It doesn't matter. If you can't hear it, who cares? So um, one thing I will say, though, is that Tidal requires you to go into the settings and make sure that you're getting the hi-fi option. So if you were doing the free trial, you I, I don't know if you did this or not, but oftentimes you'll have to go into your settings and turn on the hi-fi because otherwise it's going gonna, gonna to feed you the same kind of file you're going to get from um, Spotify and, uh, and Pandora. So make sure you do that if you're doing the test run of Tidal. And make sure also that... Um, you're on Wi-Fi. So if you're doing it, if you're feeding it from your phone and then firing it over one way or the other, it's only going to be as good as whatever the resolution that you're feeding it over. So if you're just, if you're airplaying to it, it's not going to be as good as if it's a direct feed from, for instance, from like a Sonic DAC. So you're going to have to keep that all in mind so you can actually hear the difference. Oftentimes a DAC will show you what the, um, what the bit rate is of the file that's coming in. So make sure that you're seeing it and it's saying, you know, like 192, 48 or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. So make sure you're actually getting what you're seeking with that. All right. Um, guys, with that, speaking of with that, that's another episode of Beginner Audio File. Drop us a line, beginneraudiofile at gmail.com. Pop on over to the Instagram page and just say what's up at uh, Beginner Audio File. And I uh, would love to, if you want, I would love to, um, as you guys are starting to get the gear, why don't you tag me or tag us on the pictures, the Beginner Audio File, uh, just Beginner Audio File on Instagram, and I will start sharing some pictures of your systems uh, on the Beginner Audio File uh, Instagram feed. Does that sound cool? So just tag Beginner Audio File in your pictures. Would love to see what your systems look like. So take a picture, 
throw it up on your Instagram and tag us on it so I can check it out. All right. All right. Till then, see you guys next time. Keep listening to good music. Good music.